Morning. You know things are really different when Todd is giving the announcement and I'm preaching. Even I found on this, uh, on this uh, apparatus here his name, so I thought, wow, I'm, I'm really a privileged guy. So it is a privilege to be here. And as you just heard, Carl and I are, uh, live in uh, Mexico City and we're involved in evangelism and discipleship, otherwise known as church planting. And uh, now we're empty nesters. So when we return to Mexico, whenever that's going to be, uh, it will be sometime, but I don't know exactly when, uh, we're going to be uh, going back, just her and I. So first time for that. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 87. We're going to be looking at Psalm 87 today. Psalm 87. God says here in verse 1, we're going to go through the whole psalm. Verse 1, his foundation is in the holy mountains. Well, first of all, we have a psalm of the sons of Korah a song, we, we know that Korah was, the Sons of Korah was a musical group, and they, this, Psalm 87 is a song. And his foundation is in the holy mountains. That word there is a permanent place. When we talk about a holy mountain or holy mountains, we're looking at Jerusalem. The holy mountain, of course, would be Mount Moriah, which was a big hill in Jerusalem. And that's what they refer to here, a permanent place, a presence, a permanent presence among his people. That's key for us today. That's a key for us. And in fact, sets the tone for the whole psalm because we're going to see that's very important. But we think of it as an application for us today. If you know Jesus as your Savior, he is permanently with you. And that is key. That's a key. We should never doubt that God's presence would leave us or that he would forsake us. As we've heard already today a couple of times, God's place, God's presence with us is a permanent presence, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. And that is an encouragement for those people who are, who are, who are singing the song and listening to it. That's really key because when troubled times come, that's when our faith is put to the test. It's easy to say right now, oh, I believe God's always with me. Oh, I believe that things are going well, that his presence is permanent. But when things go tough, when you receive difficult news, when things happen that you aren't planning for, that's the key to your faith. That's the key to what you really believe. So you get the news that you have cancer. What's your reaction going to be? That's where I was about three weeks ago. Of course, we kind of suspected it. But when the doctor called and said, yep, you have prostate cancer, at that moment, I sensed a, a choice. How am I going to respond? How am I going to respond to that? Because I know some people could despair. They could start saying, God, what are you doing? Why me? Or God, you didn't hear my prayer. 
Well, first of all, we know that God always hears your prayer. God always answers your prayer if you're his son or his daughter. Of course, if you're not, then obviously what you need to do is receive Christ as Savior before you leave here today so that he will always hear you because a person who doesn't know God doesn't have that assurance. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know that God always answers your prayer. Maybe not with a yes. Maybe he says no, which is also an answer. Sometimes God tells us no, and we don't want to receive that kind of answer, do we? Or wait. I've been praying for my siblings, my family, for over 35 years for their salvation. We were just with them a couple weeks ago. Thanks for praying for that. Continue praying. We were with them for five days, my wife and I. And praise God, we were able to give testimony of our faith. Not share the gospel, a five-point plan with an invitation, but through different conversations, through different uh, testimonies that we gave, we were able to give testimony to Jesus Christ. Pray that that would bear fruit in their lives, that they would receive Christ as Savior. But God has continued telling me, continue praying. Wait, continue praying. And sometimes God tells that to you too. So at the moment you receive those kinds of news, don't doubt God. Don't begin to say, why me? Because, you know, it's probably not very important why. Why is this happening to me? I think a better attitude is, who am I going to run to? Am I going to run to my own reasoning, my own understanding, or am I going to run to who is going to help me with a capital W? That's all has to do with the presence, the permanent presence of God. And there are some Christians who think God has left them. I hope you're not one of those. If you know God's promises, you know that they're always true. And there's more than one, not only New Testament, but Old Testament as well, saying that God's presence is permanent among his people. So he's never going to leave you or forsake you. You may not feel it, but he's there. So the next time you receive bad news, think about the way God wants you to respond. And that's key for me. How am I going to respond to the fact I have cancer? The bad C word. Nobody wants to hear that one, do they? But you know it happens. I didn't ask for it. And of course we don't expect it. But I didn't sign up with Jesus Christ for a fun-filled life. So when you share the gospel, don't tell people, oh, you're going to have peace and joy and things are going to go well. You know, we all know that if you've been around a while that there is a peace and a joy. But you know, the person hearing you isn't going to understand it that way. So when we share the gospel, we don't share, we don't say, you're going to have peace and joy because many times it's not that way. The Christian life is difficult sometimes. But we have one, with a capital O, who's always with us. And I hope you have that same conviction. We're all gonna, we all have problems. Maybe you don't have cancer, so you can praise the Lord for that. But you have other problems. And you youth, maybe your life is going real well right now. But there will become times. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So pray for me that my response to all this would be the way that would honor God, that it would honor, encourage my wife, and praise God for my wife. Man, I have the best wife in the world. I have the best wife in the world. She grabbed my hand when we got the news. She said, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
and I'm going to be with you through all this, whatever happens. Man, you couldn't ask for a better wife than that, could you? I hope your wife does that if you're married. If not, then you need to find one who will. Well, <laughs> if you already have a wife, I'm not suggesting changing. <laughs> so pray for me that my response would be the way that would honor God because I know people are going to be looking at me very closely. How am I going to react to all this? Is my faith going to crumble? Am I going to despair? Or what is my reaction going to be? Your reaction's one way. The people in Mexico, they're going to react another way. They're going to get freaked out. Oh no, Chuck is dying. He's never coming back. Well, we're not counting on that. Of course, my life is in God's hands. And he will do with my life as he wants. So, verse 2. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Why does he love the gates of Zion? Again, Zion referring to the mountain, the holy mountain, but also in this case, Jerusalem. You know that back in years ago, back in those days, they were city-states that were surrounded by walls. That was the style back then. And so we're talking about gates people where people go in and leave. The weakest part of a fortress are the doors. That's the weakest part. So why would God love that? Because the gates are the place where people leave to share God with the nations, and where the nations, the Gentiles, enter. And these people enter to be where God is, to adore the one and true God, the only God, and to say glorious things about him, which is verse 3. That's pretty exclusive. That's tough because we live in a, we live in a world that's relative, and many people believe that there are many ways to heaven. I don't know what you believe. Scripture teaches us, God teaches us that there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. There's not five different ways or ten different ways or everybody chooses what he or she thinks is best. There's only one way. It's exclusive. And that runs right in the face of the world we live in. And Maybe you're surrounded by guys that think, well, if you want to believe that, that's fine for you. But you know what? No religion takes you to God. Not one. This church, as good as it is, doesn't take you to God either. It's, only, it's a person. It's not a religion. Jesus Christ. That is the key, and that's the number one thing I want to talk about, about missions. The goal of missions is to bring, is to give glory to God. The goal of missions is the salvation that there is in no one else. When you think of Noah and the ark, when God, when God predicted that there was going to be a worldwide flood, and I believe in a literal worldwide flood, and that covered the mountains very much, very much higher over the mountains, that, and Noah got into the ark, the ark was the only way to be saved. If you didn't get into the ark, that was going to be it. It's not like you see on the movie Noah, where there's other people floating around on on boats and barges and, you know, logs that they uh, wrapped up together. There wasn't time for that. 
you get into the ark and you're saved. You're not in the ark, you're not saved. The ark is the type of Christ. Only one way for salvation. You're in Christ, you believe in him, you've given your life to him, that is the way to salvation. There's no other. So the goal of missions is to proclaim that there's only one God and only one way to be saved. So when you pray for us in Mexico City, pray that we'll be faithful to that message. There's only one God. It's the God of the Bible, not the God of a certain religion. And Muhammad and Buddha are not other names for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, church? No way. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ. People speak glorious things of, uh, are said of you, O city of God. Glorious things. The Gentiles, all people. It's an open invitation. We're talking about testimony. There's a Selah in your Bible there. A Selah. Actually, there's two of them here in this verse, in this psalm. For some people, well, 71 times it appears in the Psalms, Selah, and three times in Habakkuk, in the Hebrew text. Some think that the word means a pause or a rise in the voice or the volume, or maybe even a change in the tone of the song. Others believe that Selah, the word, represents a time of silence, like an interlude in the words while the music continues. Others think the words mean an amen to the text. And others believe that the word selah should be translated in agreement with the context in which it occurs, in relation to the context. I like that one best. So there could be a selah of admiration, or a selah of worship, or a selah of triumph. I think this is a selah. Amen! Glorious things are said of you, O city of God. Selah! Amen! We're talking about testimony here. And so for application to us, the testimony that you have is key. The testimony. We've all, we all know that testimony is important. What kind of a testimony do you have among your family, your coworkers, in your neighborhood? It's not enough just to stay to your own business and be quiet and kind of reserved away from other people. You need to reach out. We talked this morning in a, in a Bible study class that we were involved in to take advantage of opportunities. A neighbor comes by and wants to borrow your lawnmower. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of that. Be a, go a godly witness, not just friendly. Because even Muslims can be friendly. Or Buddhists can be friendly. But a Christian friendliness should be different. So there's your chance to share the gospel. Maybe not the whole gospel. But you got a chance to give witness to Jesus Christ. And you can do that in many different ways. So, and Jesus said, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your good works be seen among men so that they can worship your God in heaven. That's what we want. We want people in Mexico City to see our good works. Not that they'll look at us and go, wow, there's some really spiritual people. But that they'll see the one who's working in us. And that they'll see the one working in me, even with this news about cancer, that 
God will use that, and they will see God working in me. You want to see God working in you. You want them to see that. Giving him the glory. Our second point about missions, this brings us to our second point, to reveal the glory of God. We want people to know God, to give him the glory that he deserves. That's what we want. Yes, it's receiving Christ as Savior. It's beginning to be a fruitful follower of Jesus Christ. That's one of our goals. But to give God the glory he deserves. So those people who don't know Jesus, who don't know God, are not giving him the glory he deserves. They're stealing it and giving it to themselves or somebody else. And so when someone comes to Christ, truly comes to Christ from their heart, then they give they should give the glory to God alone. That's the goal of missions. In verse 4, I will record Rahab, which is another word for Egypt, and Babylon, among those who acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Those who know me, who recognize me. That's very strong language in, in the original language. Very strong. Those who acknowledge me. Those who know me. We're not talking just about an information, about knowing about Jesus Christ, because there's plenty of people like that. If anybody, and we've talked to many people about that in Mexico, say, so I believe in God. Well, I believe in God. But what they're really saying is they know things about him, but they don't really trust him. And that's the key difference. That's the key difference. Those people don't really know God. They say they believe in what they know, but that's not salvation. Salvation isn't knowing about God. You have to take the next step. That's falling short. You have to take the next step. Receiving Christ, believing in Christ, trusting in Him. More than just head knowledge. It has to be here. Many people are going to miss eternal life, are going to miss heaven by only 18 inches. From here to here. That's what's going to happen for many people. I hope that's not your case. I hope that today you are here and you know that when you die, you're going to heaven for sure. Maybe some of you might say, well, I don't know. Only God knows that one. Well, sure, God does know it. But Scripture is clear. You can know. I know. My wife knows. My children know. And I know that many people here do know. God says, I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me those who believe in me. Strong language. We're talking about other peoples, Gentiles, to give him the glory. When they pass through the gates of the city, Philistia too, entire areas close to Israel, along with Cush or Ethiopia, maybe northern Sudan. And I will say this one was born in Zion, just as if they were Jews. They weren't born in Zion, but as if they were born again. This one was born in Zion, born in the city, just like a Jew. That reminds me of Jesus' words, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Have you been born again? What's born again mean? It means making that decision, making the decision for Jesus to come into your life, forgive you of your sins and giving your life to him. That's the first decision. That's the decision. That's what being born again means. 
It's more than just going to church or reading your Bible or being a good person. Much more than that. Born again. Just as if these people were Jews. That's what they're saying. An open invitation. Missions. To give him the glory. But there's a danger. There's a danger because sometimes we want to have a defensive posture behind doors so that those bad people won't enter. That was certainly the idea of the Jews back then. We don't want to be with those Gentile nations, those people in Egypt and Babylon and Philistia and Tyre and those Ethiopians. Ugh, stay away. We want to be just among ourselves. We don't want to have anything to do with those people from the outside. So when you're behind the walls with, and with the door shut, and your God is there, it's easy to believe that, he's, that you are the only one who is important to him. But there's another option. An option, an open posture. Yes, everybody who is different are welcome. Do you love what God loves? Do you know that God loves? For God so loved the world. God loves people. He loves those people in other parts of the world who are doing terrible things to other people. Do you love those people? Or do you fear those God, those people who are different than you? How big is your God? There was a man one day who went fishing. And he went fishing in a well-stocked pond. And he would catch a fish about this big and throw it back. And he'd catch a fish about this big, and he'd keep it. He'd catch a 20 or 30 pounder, and he'd throw it back. And he'd take, he'd get a small fish, and he'd keep it. And this kept on going, and another man was watching him. And he had the, the courage to go up to the fisherman, and he said, I think you got this backwards. Excuse me, excuse me interrupting, but I think you have this backwards. You're supposed to keep the big ones and let the little ones go. And he said, well... Problem is, I only have an 8-inch frying pan. So how big is your frying pan? Is it 8 inches? Can your God control the problems in your life? Is he worthy of it? You bet he is, but you've got to be convinced. It's not just here. At this moment, you're going to see how, where your faith really is. Because right here, right at this moment, it would be easy to say, oh, my frying pan is this big. May your frying pan be this big when you encounter trouble. How big is my frying pan? I just got bad news about the bad C word. How big is my frying pan? How big is the frying pan of my wife and my family? That's the key. May your frying pan be so big that God can do it. You know, God is greater than my prostate. Do you know that? He's bigger than my prostate. My prostate's the size of a walnut, or a little bigger maybe, but my God's bigger than that. So I, my response is, my response has to be to trust Him. So God wants an open church with open doors. I'm glad that we're, you're reaching out to people and that you are part of a ministry in Mexico City. And there's no need to fear. Verse 5, indeed of Zion... It will be said, this one and that one were born in her. The same idea. Anyone, everyone, this one is mine. 
and the Most High himself will establish her. There's no fear. There's no need to fear. All these people different than us coming in are going to destroy and ruin the city because God will establish her. Most High himself. In Hebrew, Elyon. El Elyon himself. Most High. That's how that translates from the Hebrew. You know that God has, uh, Jehovah has various words, uh, names in the Old Testament. And that's one of them. Himself will establish her. There's no need to be afraid. God, the supreme over all the supreme, will establish her. And God will write their names in the register of the peoples. Verse 6. Kind of like it reminded me of the book of life. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples. This one is born Zion. This one is mine. We have another Selah. Amen. Yes. Of affirmation. Yes. God wants to use you. That's the third point here about missions. We have there's no other salvation and no one else, only in Jesus Christ. God, we serve God to give him glory and God wants to use you. God wants to use you. I think some of us have a hard time. Why me, God? Why not use the professional train, train professional? God wants to use you. It's not about you. It's about the one who's called you. What is he like? That's the question. What is he like? It's not that he saw something special in you. He didn't see anything special in me when he called me to Mexico City. He wasn't like, wow, this guy has a lot to offer. It's God. It's about what he is like. And God uses weak vessels for his power, to show his power. So allow God to use you. Be a witness where you are. Share the gospel. Some of you say, I'm a missionary. I don't need to go to Mexico City. I'm a missionary right here in Lubbock. Great. Are you doing the work of a missionary? Are you sharing the gospel with other people? That's what a missionary does. No, no, I don't do that. I just am, you know, I don't say anything to anybody. I just live a godly life. Excuse me, but that's only half of the thing. You have to be speaking your words and your actions. Because faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing from the Word of God. Someone's got to tell them. It's not just living out a godly life or a good life or staying to yourself and being a good person. Missionaries give Bible studies. Do you give Bible studies? Do you invite someone? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you couldn't give them a study, but you know someone who could. So you invite them to your home group or invite them to the church or ask one of the elders to help you out. I'm sure they'll be very willing to do that with your neighbors. That's what missionaries do. All of us are called to share the gospel. That's what we're looking at here. So that those people can, from these other nations in verse 4 can enter into the city. All the foreigners come into God's presence as if they've been born in the same city. As if there was no difference. So God wants to use you. In verse 7, when those who sing as well as those who play the flutes shall say, all my springs or fountains are in you. That's the source. When we look at fountains or, or springs, we're looking at f- sources, the source of all blessing and pleasure. 
God says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So the requirement is you delight yourself in God. So that's my challenge today as I'm standing before you, that I would rejoice in God, not in my health, not in a good prognosis, not what the doctor says. Of course, that's going to have an effect on me, but my delight better be in God himself. Right? Amen? Amen? Okay. So even though I was born a foreigner outside the gates, I was dead, and now I have eternal life through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me to pay for all of my sins and drew me to himself to put my trust in him. It was as if I was born there, as if you were born there. We have a very generous God who wants all people to worship him and give him the glory, even those people who at this point are scheming to do evil things in the world. And there are plenty of those. So do you fear those who are outside? Are your doors open to all so they can worship the one and true God, giving him the, desire, the glory that he deserves? So what can you do? Pray. Pray. You see news on the television of, of people who are doing these terrorist bombings. Pray for those families who have lost loved ones. Now, you don't have to go into an hour or two of prayer, although that wouldn't be such a bad idea. But a quick prayer. God, work in those families that had loved ones lost in a terrorist attack that they would see their need for you because they're in the middle of grief right now and they're thinking about death. That is a very excellent position for people to be in because if they don't know Christ, then they're thinking about the afterlife and what better place than to hear the gospel of salvation with hope, with hope, a true hope. So pray, pray. Thank you for your prayers for us. We know you guys pray for us. Continue to do that because part of what God is doing, a large part of what God is doing in Mexico City is because you're praying. And then you then give. Give. This is, this is a very generous church. Again. And go. Some of these youth here have been to Mexico City. May you come back. I know you're coming back, aren't you? This next year, maybe? So, what's God's part is what's God's part for you? Those things. But remember, Conviction. There's only one way, only for the glory of God, so that people would give him the glory he deserves. And God wants to use you. He wants to use you. You have abilities and giftings that other people, that I don't have. God wants to use you so that those things can take place. What do you say, Melanie Park? Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? Let's all stand and pray. And after I'm done praying, you're all dismissed. God, thank you so much for Melanie Park. You have used the church and its members here for your honor and glory in different parts of the world. Father, thank you. May the doors always be open. May the doors of our homes be open. Thank you that they have this chance to, to host 
international students. What a blessing. What a challenge. What a privilege. God, I pray that there would be many who would take, that, take advantage of that opportunity. Just as you love the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Israel, that we would love those whom you love. God, help our frying pan be huge, huge. Help us trust in you, God. We need help. We're weak. We have unbelief in our hearts. Yes, we believe in you, but there's unbelief. Take that away. God, help us be convicted about the truth. Help us spend time with you every day. Help us be sensitive to your spirit. Ex help us expose ourselves. Cause us to expose ourselves to your word every day. And pray, Lord. Help us be sensitive to what you want. Thank you. Continue to use this church, God. Continue to cause them to pray, to give, and to go. God, what a blessing Melanie Park has been. And we will, really won't know the full impact until that day when you come back. And I pray you would come soon, God. Come soon, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, help us be about your business. Help us be faithful. Help us be diligent. God, thank you. Thank you for everything. And I ask and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.